So with the uh, up to this moment, what our tally has, our grand tally has been $750,000 has been pledged toward the, uh, the forward thing. So we're, we're pretty blown away by that, to be honest with you. And now our goal, now people have been asking what our goal is. Our goal is kind of privately been putting out there about $1 million, all right? So still about a little bit, but $250,000 short, but that's okay. We're praying that in. A lot of people gave their lunches, and we're believing that God is going to multiply that. And uh, so I do want to say that this is our second week of the pledge thing, uh, uh, moment here. So if you haven't had a chance to pledge yet, please do. Card in front, go ahead and fill that out. And at the end, I'll just talk about that briefly and how you can do that if you haven't done it yet. And uh, then remind you next week, okay, next Thursday night and next Sunday, both services, or all three services rather, we will have... um, what we're calling is our vision offering or a first fruit toward this. So as you know, what we'd had on the card was a blank on there that we were asking you to tell us, let us know how much you're going to give up front in that first vision offering or that first fruit offering. And what we're going to be able to do is take that to get started with all pretty much the soft costs of, of what we need to do and to get this, this ball rolling. So the 750000 that has been pledged so far, this is over three years, okay? And so we kind of need a good shove out front, so we need you to bring your best gift next week to put toward this so that we can get rolling. So keep praying, keep asking for God. Of course, at any given time, if you feel like, you know, you, know, you want to re-pledge or add to that, no problem. Just pull that card out, and uh, pretty much throughout the, the year and all during this time, We'll, uh, we'll continue to add to that. So, of course, the goal is you know, somewhere between $2 million and $2.5 million of what we believe this project is all going to entail. So, obviously, you know what that means. And uh, so, we're really praying. Of course, I've been privately praying, Lord, there's got to be a way you can bring all of this in. I'm still asking him for that. not going to give up. And uh, so, God can do amazing things. Can he? We know that nothing's impossible with God. God doesn't give a vision unless he gives the provision for it. And uh, so still asking God to help us make that happen. So don't forget about next week now. That's going to be our time to, to uh, bring our first fruit toward that. And then, of course, break the rest of it over the next three years. All right, so uh, very excited about that. I think uh, that's pretty much. And again, I just want to thank everyone who has pledged. Thank you so much. I mean, hearing that number, it's just like never in my lifetime have, have I been a part of raising that much money. That is just amazing. And uh, so... It's, uh, you have told us you're excited too. And uh, so we're moving forward and excited about that. All right, so tonight I want to talk to you about the purpose of the church. And so this is kind of connected to forward, but I wanted, I wanted to, to, to just really press in tonight to just talk to you about what it is that we're doing here and what this is all about. And I want to look at some scriptures tonight. I want to go through, this is going to be kind of a quick Bible study about the church itself. I think sometimes we get confused. I think we, 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 we think in terms that the building is the church. And, you know, we do that. We call it the church. I'm going to church. And, uh, but truthfully, the church is people, okay? It's not buildings. And we've talked about how we need buildings in order to gather the church so that we have a focus, so that we have a vehicle to bring forth the vision. So I want to talk about that vision tonight. I, I, we've been talking about our particular part of it. We've been giving you kind of the, the, the vision and the vehicle together, but I want to kind of back up tonight here to just share with you as to what is the church's call as a whole, 
okay? And I think this is important for us to see because it does require a, 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 a little bit of a Bible study. It does require us to kind of step back and get that big picture so that then we know, we know, we know, we know that we know that we're doing exactly what Jesus has called us to do. And to kind of, really, I'm asking you to join me as your pastor because I, I, I feel I have a good understanding of what the church is called to be and to do, pretty much devoted almost all of my life to it. And uh, so I, I've got a pretty good idea. The, the, the real challenge is communicating to others every single day just what the church is called to be, all right? So that was one of the things we've said, you know, in the past is it's time to be the church, okay? So we don't gather in a building. It's not about that at all. It's about the people, the ecclesia in the Greek, which means called out ones. It's not a building. It's called out ones. It's people with a specific call. So I want to look at that. I'll go through some verses of Scripture tonight quickly as I can. Starting with 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Well, there it is. There is a house. There is a building. But it isn't real stones. It isn't metal. It isn't nails. It's not sheetrock. It's not concrete. It's none of that. It's people. And we're living stones fitted together. Check it out. We're being built together into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, of course, the, the, uh, the, the, the back meaning of this is Peter is, is drawing upon his Jewish history to know that it, was, it used to be all about a temple. It used to be all about a tent. It used to be about that. But now with the coming of Christ and the fulfillment of all of what Jesus, he came to fulfill that law. He came to be now and, and say, now you are the temple of the living God. And this gets even better. A matter of fact, we're going to be starting a series where I, I'm so excited about this next series, I'm going to go on the Holy Spirit because therein lies the key. This is kind of foundation for that, really. But we're called to be a, a priesthood. And so, there, so it's important that we understand that we find our place in the church, find our place among other believers to allow God, as each of us as a living stone, to be fitted in and we're going to talk about that more as to the purpose of each living stone. But offering up spiritual sacrifices, so no longer killing cows and, and, and pigeons and all that to offer blood sacrifices. No, we're the living sacrifice now. And our worship tonight is like the sweet-smelling offering that goes up before the throne. So the temple, the, the whole test, temple system is now been, has given birth to a spiritual whole, uh, uh, the symbolism, we are now those, that, that living sacrifice before God. And when we offer up our praises, that's pleasing to God. It's, God still receives the sweet smelling savor, the smell of, 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 of worship to him, but it comes through our voices. It comes through our hands raised. It comes through our music. It comes with a surrendered heart. That's where it comes from. And we're priests. Okay, we're priests before God. We don't, we don't need priests to do this on our behalf anymore. We can do it because we serve the great high priest, Jesus Christ himself. So, and it's acceptable to God, as it says here, through Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the church, folks, I want to focus on five callings tonight. We're called to the world. 
We're called to not be something that's hidden from the world. We're called to be placed out in front of the world, on display before the world. And when we grab and get a hold of these five callings, then we will then be cooking with gas, as they say. We will be what God has called us to be and to do the work and to be the kind of power on this planet that Jesus intended us to be. So let's take a look at it. To the whole world we're called in great confidence and boldness, these five things. Number one, we're called to be salt, folks. Called to be salt. Jesus used this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Your notes doesn't ha- don't have that, so, but it's Matthew 5, verse 13. And what does that say? It says here, you are the salt of the earth. You, you who? You, me and, me and you. Christians, those who've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, those who've given faith and trust in him, those who are the living stones, we're called to be salt. We'll talk about a little more about that in a minute. But, but the salt, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So saltiness, we're called to, to be salt. And what does that mean? Well, we know now that salt and it is one of sodium is one of the most powerful uh, elements that can be found on the planet. Isn't that cool? They didn't know that then. They just knew that salt was something that, that flavored food, that salt that preserved foods, that salt, it had many different uses, but now we know why. It's, it's an element that God has given to us, and it's a symbol of something very powerful. Matter of fact, when you put sodium with almost any other element, those who know uh, chemistry, it does amazing things. It's a catalyst for change. It takes what exists and makes it even more powerful. It makes it more effective. It gives it many more uses. We're called to be that. We don't go and replace. We transform it. When we walk into a room as believers, we come into where there's darkness. Of course, we'll get to that part of it in a minute. But we come in where, where, there is a, where there's information, there's knowledge, there's, there's, there's a, a lack of knowledge. We come in where that missing puzzle piece, where that bit of information, where, where the, where, it's what the millennials are crying out for today. There's, they're, 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 they're putting themselves to death because they think this world is going to end in 12 years. They're, they're walking away from the church because they don't sense any connection. It's they have not been told that it's the salt of the they, they don't know that they have purpose. That's why. But when we are released to be what Jesus has called us to be, then not only can we transform the hearts of people with the message that we have, the truth is when we lose our saltiness, if we're not affecting change, if we're not transforming when we're around people, then we've lost our saltiness. But... I don't think any of us here in this room have lost our saltiness. I just don't know that we've used our saltiness. We've never, we, haven't, we haven't walked in it. We haven't realized it. When we don't realize who we are and what we've been called to be, and we're not tapping into the element of what we are and who we are, then we miss out. Then we walk around literally missing the opportunity. I mean... That, you're, that you and I are a superman, superwoman, and, 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 and we've got the shirt underneath and never opening it up and saying, you know, this is who I am, salt. I can change the situation. I've got the name of Jesus in my mouth. I've got the authority to be able to affect everywhere I go. That's why Jesus used that analogy. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. And he said this during a time when he was here. 
when he was healing people, when he was doing the work, he said, you're going to be it. That's what the church is called to be. We don't do it with buildings. We don't do it with, with programs. We do it with people. We do it with a group of people that understand who they're called to be, and we do it together. And the exponential power that comes together when we're living stones built together is very cool, and you'll see that in this next part. We're called to be light. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love these two analogies because one is active and the one is, is, is somewhat kind of passive. And when you think of, of just being who God has called you to be, then you don't have to really do anything. It's just you live your life. And it's amazing that when you set a light in a room, darkness is dispelled. When Christians are just being who God has called us to be, that if we just love Jesus, if we just live Jesus, if we follow Jesus, it doesn't have to be that intentional. We just shine. And wherever we go, the love of Christ, the joy of the Lord, the success of God is on us. And it shines brightly. And we're not supposed to hide it. You know, did a little study today here and don't want to do a science lesson because I don't even understand half of it myself. But when you think of physical science, you go back and you remember studying light and refracted light and all that. But if you think of light, once again, it's interesting that Jesus would use light as an example. And once again, another scientific discovery that not to be open until generations, maybe a thousand plus years later before anything is, is discovered this way. But we know that light is an amazing thing. That it's, 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 it's based on rays and, and frequencies. And light when it's dispelled, the kind of light that, that we see in this room right now, it's called an incoherent light. It just shines. It's just a passive thing, and it just reveals. But if light becomes something far more powerful, we call it what? A laser. And it's cool that we didn't discover la lasers really until the 20th, late 20th century, maybe the, not even into the 21st uh, century. Do we, uh, or, or actually mid-20th century, and what we now see is that the laser, and what's so cool, they call it a coherent light. And what it is, is, is when light begins to match and it comes into unity, the rays, when they come together and they begin to, uh, to shine, and that's why you see it as only one part of the spectrum, whether it be green or whether it be red, it's because it's unified. It's because the rays, the, 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 they're, they're coming together. And when it comes together and it begins to shine in a unified way, oh my gosh, light becomes something terrifically powerful. Light becomes something that can destroy, but it can also bring life. I didn't know this, but did you know they can shine a laser to the moon and it'll reflect all the way back to us? That's incredible. And that's what lasers can do, which is why you never want to put one in your eye either. Nor do you want to ever shine it up. Well, I think during the Super Bowl, somebody got, somebody got caught trying to shine a laser in, in Tom Brady's eye. Shame on you. But anyway, so... You know, they're trying to do that kind of stuff with a laser, but it can be very destructive, but it's amazing the power, and they're only discovering the uses of it. 
something that God has given us. CD players and all the kind of things, what it can be used for has, has just, just blown things apart as, as far as the things that can bring joy to our life to, to help us with things, with surgery, what they're gonna do with that. Now, why do I mention that? Is because we've been called light. And when we come into unity as the church and we begin to shine brightly together, imagine what we can do. Imagine what can be dispelled. Imagine what can be sliced and destroyed and pushed aside and and revealed. Billions of times more powerful than incoherent light. A lot of times that's what the church has become. And I think it's interesting that they use the word incoherence and coherence. And the message of the gospel becomes incoherent when it's not shine, when it's not in unity from a bunch of believers. It's when the church gets out of sync with one another, when the church becomes a bunch of people who just have different values, different goals, different ideas, and we're not working together. Then we don't do the kind of things, we don't bring to bear the kind of power that we could bring. Salt, light. Thirdly, well, you know, I write down in the notes here that prayer, of course, prayer is very much like that laser, isn't it? That when we get together, what did Jesus said? When two or three of you agree on any one thing, look out. So imagine 600 people who all get together or thousands of believers or millions of believers that begin to finally come into synchronicity, into coherence. Same message, same vision, same life. What can we do? The church is called to make that happen. And folks, every day we live, every day we're on your earth, we're growing closer to that. Closer to that. It's happening more and more and more. I know this because of what I do. I know this because I've been doing this for 30 some odd years, as you know. And what I, I remember when I first came into this, this business as a very, very young acolyte and a guy studying scripture and getting ready to come into the ministry, that I saw a lot of incoherence among the church. I saw much more difference when it came to traditions and theologies and all of that. But it's amazing over the last 30 years that I've been doing this, that I've been getting together with more pastors, seeing more people that are, that are, in the, that have, are serving God, that have very, very similar beliefs. They have more and more of a unity. You almost feel the waves of the frequency starting to, start, starting to blend more and more and more. We're not, a hundred, we're not there yet, but we're getting closer. And that's what I think is so cool because when the church finally gets there, watch out, watch out. Thirdly, we're called to be a dwelling place of God's spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, 19 through 22, if I can find that there, here we go. It says, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and members of God's household. There it is again, a house, a building built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So the scripture that we have, and even modern day apostles and prophets who are continuing to plant churches, continuing to create beachheads for the gospel to go forward. It's, it's pretty cool to see happening. With Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone of this building, in him, the whole building is fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, are being built together into a dwelling place for God in his spirit. 
So the temple used to be a place where the spirit, the Shekinah glory would come down as a result of the sacrifices, and the people could see it. Moses would experience, his face would shine from it. He had to put a veil over his face so that it wouldn't frighten the people. But now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now we are the temple of where the presence of God is. And the cool thing is, it has nothing to do with the building itself. Nothing. We don't have to have an Ark of the Covenant in here. We don't have to be burning sacrifices. All we need is a bunch of burning hearts of people who just come together and say, Jesus is Lord, and I'm ready to worship him. Folks, that's, that's the church. That's the business. That's what we're called to do, called to be salt, an affecting agent of change, called to be light, to bring to bear together in unity, to dispel the darkness, called to be a dwelling place of God's spirit, called to be that dwelling place. And again, I'm just kind of, you know, uh, wetting your appetite for this next series coming up. Because there's so much more when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the power the Holy Spirit is ready to bring in your life. So many Christians suffer needlessly because they do not understand what you've been given in Christ, the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. People like to talk of the Holy Spirit like it's some kind of a force, like the movies. But it's a person. He's a person, and he's there. We'll talk more about him but we're called to be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God, not only individually, but us together. And there's a corporate expression of the Holy Spirit that is so amazing. And I think the church has forgotten long ago. It kind of reminds me of C.S. Lewis's story of, of uh, I guess it's Prince Caspian, when they come back and they see the ruins of the castles of long ago, the time of the reign of the, uh, the, the children when they were the kings and queens of Narnia. And they came back and all they saw was the ruins and they, they had just vague recollection of what it was like at that time. And that's what the church has become for the most part, only looking at the ruins of what we could be so much more. May God bring that recollection back. May God remind us of who we are, what's been done in our hearts, what we've been given, what we've been provided for, and what we can tap into every single day. Number four, called to display the manifold wisdom of God through the gospel and his word. Ephesians 3, His purpose, what was the purpose of the church? His purpose was that now, and now is always now. When now is in the scripture, it means now is now. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, to the authorities in the heavenly realms. Huh? Rulers and authorities, you mean like presidents, you mean like governments, you mean like nations? No, the spirits that run those things. The spirits that control the hearts of men. We're talking demons here. We're talking about principalities and powers. We're talking about wicked spirits that rule over jurisdictional areas. We're talking fighting, taking the fight to the skies. We're not just talking about dealing with imps we're not just talking about little troublesome spirits. We're talking about principalities and powers that bring in darkness on groups of people, that bring in slavery of mankind, that bind their hearts of men, races, whole, whole people groups, whole nations. 
the manifold wisdom of God called to come through the church. You guys see what's going on here? We've lost our way. We've lost our identity. And what we've tried to make it is into a building. We've tried to make it into a tradition. We've tried to make it into some kind of liturgy. We've tried to make it into something that misses entirely the living, breathing, active, powerful church it's always supposed to have been. We're called to make it, to reveal it, the manifold wisdom of God, to bring down what God has done and to speak it, to live it, to act it, to make it happen every single day. Where are we in it? Well, I'm telling you what I'm committed to. I'm telling, you're hearing it come out of my heart, that's, that's what this is all about. That's why I'm not committed to any liturgy. That's why I'm not committed to any type of uh, tradition or plan. I'm not anti-tradition. I'm just pro-kingdom. I'm pro, let's, let's be the church. Let's show the world what it is to be a Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's show the world what it is to be in unity. Let's show the world what it is that when we pray, things happen. Push, praying until something happens. Not running for our life the moment we hit a little bit of you know, resistance. Oh, it's just too hard. Pastor David, it's just too hard to go to church. I mean, when I get down on my knees, man, it hurts. I can't, I, I, I can't, I, I don't know how to push through. Man, I don't understand my Bible. Give me a break, Christian. It's time to be who you're called to be. And are you running up short? Don't worry about that. Holy Spirit is going to give you everything you need. You just need a willing person to say, I'm ready for you to come and fill me and to be. It's all about him anyway. It's really all we're doing is just being a mirror to reflect the glory of God, the light. He says, you're the light of the world. It's not my light. It's whose light? His light. I'm just a mirror that brings that laser to bear. That's all. All these little lights. See it? Little lights all coming together to do something incredibly amazing. The wisdom of God. God's ways are higher. God's ways are better. God's ways are more efficient. God's ways produce greater fruit. We gotta bust up the gridlock of man's ways, and it's done through the church. Can't give up on what Jesus taught us. Can't let it go. And then finally, we're called to make disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, then Jesus said, well, let me back up here. Yeah, verse 16. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain Jesus had designated. Jesus has already been crucified, and he's also risen from the dead. Now he's going to meet with them, and he's got words for them, very important words. And this is what he's getting ready to tell them. This is before he's ascended. 
Meanwhile, the 11 disciples, why, there, why is there only 11? Well, Judas is dead. They went to Galilee, to the mountain Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But as I was reading this, those three little words at the end really caught my attention. Doesn't it catch your attention? When they saw him, they worshiped him. That's what I would do, period. No semicolon. No semicolon. But there is one there, because it says, but some doubted. And that is a church that is missing it. And that is a church that is just a building. And that is a church that is not being, has not embraced the callings of God upon it. That is a church that has become a sarcophagus of tradition and lies and misrepresentation. Not about Jesus anymore. But if you back up, the church is in that first part. When they saw him, they worshiped him. And that's the birth of the church. That is what the church has always been about and should always be about, him. But let's move on. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, those who worshiped him, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We could stop right there. Well, you deserve it. <laughs> you died. You suffered and died for the every human being. You deserve it. End of the story. But it doesn't stop there, church. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' last words, well, there are more coming in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to study those, by the way. But what he says here is what was, is considered the Great Commission. And it wasn't just for that church. It's for every church. It is our commission. It is our marching orders. It is and should be the very foundation of our vision in everything we do. Why we gather, why we give money, why we serve, why we give our gifts, why we serve the children, why we worship with our, with our voices, with our instruments, why we take an old bar and turn it, turn it into a place of worship, why we set our, our goals to, to build something bigger, to make more room, to make more disciples. Folks, this is what I'm talking about. You and I have been called to more than just make an impression. We've been called to change this world. And we've been equipped. We've been given the purpose. We've been given the plan. We've been given all that we need in order to make it happen until we breathe our last. And he says, now go. He said, and I got your back. I love it. He says, I'm not going to leave you. By the way, I'm going to be with you. And how is he with us? Of course, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Again, we're going to talk about that. Why the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is so critical to your life, my life, for our life together, for us to be the church. But why are we doing what we're doing? Right here. To make disciples. To baptize them. To share with the, the wonderful message of Jesus' love. 
And, and you know what's cool about this? Again, it's not just being a church that makes a lot of noise. It's not just a church that's got beautiful buildings. It's not just, it's not just a, a church that rings its bells, you know, on Sunday morning calling people to worship. It's not just that. I'm not saying any of that's bad. The church has relied upon such things to try to bring cognizance, to try to bring coherence. But those days are gone, way gone. The stakes are higher. The enemy has poured out his, his greatest attempt to deceive the hearts of mankind. And, you know, look, it's time for the church to be the church. It's time for the church to show up to the fight. It's time for the church to realize what we've, we've been called to do. And the beauty is all we have to do is step into it. The beauty is all we have to do is say, yes, Lord, amen. Help me, help me be a living stone fitted into a group of people that have a similar vision and heart to do the transformation thing. That's what we need. And we can get there, folks. We are getting there. You know, I share with a lot of young people because, you know, I'm making disciples. We're all called to do that, by the way. But as I, I share with young people because, and of course, I share you know, with middle-aged, old people too, you know, I share with all of you, but, but young people are specifically in my heart because they're their legacy. And I want them to, I want them to understand that, I, that the deposit of faith and belief and, and all the years of, of, of what I've acquired in the way of knowledge and understanding and wisdom, I want to pass that on. And I want to give it to them because I want them to run farther. When I came into this thing, no one had a clue and it's taken me, taken me this long to get a clue. So I can't wait to see, when I hand off that baton to this next generation, they're going to be the ones who probably, Lord only knows, but probably usher in his coming. And if that's the case, I want them to know who they are, what they're called to do, and to resist every attempt of man to bring in incoherence to focus on, what do they say, major on the majors? Well, that's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're trying to do. This is about nobody's reputation. This is not about any other legacy than try to make a difference. And what I was going to say earlier was what I share with young people is I say, look, I, I'm, I'm not interested in changing other churches. I'm not really interested in doing that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that. Not interested in that. I'm not into, into uh, ecumenicalism, okay? I'm sorry. I, I know that most of what I believe and what God has called me to do does not fit well in everybody's, you know, you know my book doesn't fit on their rack. But I am going to do what he's called me to do, and I'm going to lead you to what God has called you to do. And you know what I'm saying? What excites me about that is if you'll join me, if you'll follow and if you'll get on this, on this wagon together and you become salt and you become light and you, become the, the, you, you bring the manifold wisdom of God through your life, when you, you, you bring to bear, you, you become the worshiper he's called you to be, when you go and you embrace the making disciples, whew, I'm telling you, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I wonder if we feel like he's forsaken us because we haven't done the first part. wonder. Well, we're going to do it. We have been doing it, but we're getting ready, as my 
our, our, our little kids told us, it's time for an upgrade, amen? It's time to take it up another notch. All right, so we're going to finish right here. And again, if you haven't jumped on board with, with the Ford campaign doing this, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say any more than just please help us make it happen. All right? Help us make it happen. And cards are in the back of the seat. After the service is over, we're going to finish with a song. I don't have any musicians back here. I think I might grab that little tailor over there and lead you myself, but that could get rough. But anyway, um, we grab that card out after the service is over. Bring it down here. Put it in the baskets for us, okay? And uh, we're going to add it to what our goal is. We're not there yet, but we're moving forward. Moving forward. Amen. Remember next week, bringing our best gift toward that and uh, making all this happen. Amen. I want to finish tonight by praying for you, praying for us. Amen. Um, this is really the first message that I've done on a Thursday night that has been all me. And, and, and if I, you know, blew your hair off or anything like that, I apologize. I can get excited. I actually, I did have a cup of coffee around five, so that might make a difference. But let's stand up tonight.